Welcome to Positive Talk Radio. Our goal is simple, to explore evolving ideas one conversation at a time. So stay with us as right now we present. I want you to stay with us because in this episode, we're all going to die. And I... And <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> I have to. I have to tell you, DC Gomez, the author, the impeccable author, she's written 19 books. The last one to come out was called Judgment Day, and we were all going to die. And uh, there was a four horsemen of the apocalypse, and it was all kinds of stuff. And she is just a delightful human being, and I had such a good time with her the other day uh, that I wanted to invite her back so that we could get this down and talk about. <laughs> Oh, he's so cute. And get this down and talk about the things that, that uh, you do and, and how you got into doing this. And and, uh, and and also, where do you see yourself and where do you see our planet? And what's, you know, just we'll talk about anything. Anything you want to talk about specifically? Hey, I'm open to any discussions. I think I need to have a disclaimer for everybody viewing, watching, listening. Is most of the times, a lot of my books have a lot of the horror element. So everybody's like, I don't know if I can pick it up because it's scary. And I was like, you met me. Do I look like I write anything scary? They're like, oh, good point. Do that, girl. So as long as you enjoy quirky characters with lots of madness, I'm your girl. Pick up a book because they're full of dark humor. But usually that's one of those you ask me earlier, you know, do people ask you any specific questions? I always ask if my books are scary. And I honestly have to think about it. I was like, yeah, no, they're not scary. They do have, they'll have a little bit of suspense. They'll have a little bit of thriller. Scary? No, that's just, I'm just very quirky, full of kind of like dark humor. Hard to be scary. I know, but when you wrote the series, because this was the Judgment Day was the fifth book in the series. Mm Mm-hmm. And it was called the Intern Diary Series? Yes. And why that that name? So book one is called Death Intern. And it's literally based on the four horsemen of the apocalypse. And every horseman has interns. So death has one poor continent. And our main heroine, who's amazing, is Isis Black. And she's literally just a girl trying to make up with her life. You know, she moved to Texarkana. She's trying to get her life together. And there's a knock on the door. And it's death with a job offer. And let's be honest, as the F pointed out, I said there's not how much going on in her life. Like, really? This is like, you know, she lives in one better apartment, things are falling apart. What are you going to do? Her one friend gets kidnapped and it throws her in this whirlwind of figuring it out like, oh my God, the horsemen are real, which took her to book two to realize that the horsemen out there. But it is finally what happens if you get this knock on your door that changes your life? What do you do? So you have this sarcastic girls are trying to do the best that she can. And I think that's the beautiful thing about the series is it is a bunch of interns just trying to do good. You know, like her job is to figure out anytime something's going to stop death's delivery of the soul, Isis has to go fix it. That's it. She just doesn't realize that all this random stuff is going to happen. And then the life expectancy of an intern is really short. They just tend to die fast. You have all the animals. This is going to happen to her. Then she realizes as the series goes on that, oh my God, the only thing the horsemen do while they wait for the apocalypse is find ways to kill humanity. And she's like, what is wrong with this entire being? So she's learning a lot about herself and everybody else. And book five is really what will you do for your family? And family can be anything. This can be your blood. Family can be your tribe that you pick up. It can be anything. And Isis has to make some decisions because her family was attacked. So all the enemies, bunches she never met, 
all everybody else is pissed off and the horseman is like don't come in for them and nice is like oh god now what do we do so she has to step up and say what will you do to save the ones you love and that's what she does that's it that's it takes quite a little bit of an imagination to be able to write all that but by, by the way could you adjust your microphone just a, just a little bit we're having just a little bit of a background uh background noise um better uh speak more how does that sound now we're still getting maybe maybe put the microphone a little bit farther away from your face maybe let's try that how does that go ahead and say it. how does that sound is, is that better or do i need to just not no, that's, that's better that's that's okay. better we're good so <clears throat> so now you 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 wrote that five did you know that that was going to be a five book series when you started it so I decided it was going to be once book one came out, I wanted to do five books. So I'm going to give you the inside of how my mind functions so you can laugh with me. Book one was done. I turned over to my brother and my sister-in-law, who are like my dream team at the group that I talked to. And I was like, what am I going to talk about in the other five books? And she, he goes, what made you decide to do five? I was like, I like the number five. He was like, oh, my God. Really? Really? <laughs> This was your solution and picking. I was like, yeah, that'd be a great idea. So we did. I remember going to one local restaurant. As I'm freaking out, I have all these notes. I'm going, I have nothing. Like, what is the rest of this series supposed to be? And I always wanted to do a end of the world kind of like apocalypse. I always wanted to do what happens that would trigger the end of the world. So my brother kind of came up with the idea. He's like, why don't you talk about the other interns from the other horsemen? And I had that look. I'm like. What interns? What? They have interns? Like, oh, dad has interns. Wouldn't the other ones have interns? I'm like, you know, I like. So this series introduces you to Isis and then introduces you to death. And you get the series through her eyes. So you get to meet book two, you get to meet pestilence. And what I decided to do is I wanted to introduce the magical world a little slower. So instead of just dumping tons of characters at you, you kind of slowly build, fortunately. So book two, you get to see zombies. I'm like, okay. There's a plague, there's a pandemic running wild only in Texarkana. So you got disgruntled employees that decided to poison people and turn them into zombies. Book three, we get to meet War, who controls all the armies, in case everybody wonders. Pestilence just makes a living out of killing people with viruses. So blame any pandemic that's our calling. You know, the flu, she makes a killing out of the flu. Her people run the CDC, just in case you guys are you know, curious. Well, how does the CDC not know that? Well, she runs that too. So then you have War, who runs all of the armies. And book three, it's a little bit, I wanted to give a little romance in here because I don't do romance very well, so I've been told. So I have a star-crossed lover between an elf and a vampire. People going, DC, really? This is not what we thought. I was like, you said romance. I was like, that's, that's not what we meant, but okay. So you get the drama of all of that. Fun action scenes in that one. So the ending of it is all sorts of just, I got battle scenes, demons are coming, all sorts of madness and exciting. They're like, how are you going to top book four? I was like, I don't know. Like, I listen, we're going there. And then book four, you're going to meet Famine. And Famine runs all the diet industry. Because let's be honest, how are you going to make humanity starve itself and make money? There you go. So Famine runs all of them, <laughs> killing it. So famine and pestilence have a competition to see which one has more money. So the two of them are hand in hand. War, he cares more about the armies and all that part, you know, in the military. Death just wants to deliver souls. Death is like, God. So in this group of 
sibling rivalry, as I call them. The only one has a common sense is death, and everybody's like, really? The only one not trying to kill humanity is death. <laughs> she tries just to deliver them. And because the horsemen have been around for so long, and they are just arrogant, because they're not human. They have none of the values. They have none of this at stake. They're just waiting for the apocalypse so all their enemies come together and take a shot at them. So here's the reality. If you attack the most powerful force in the world, what's going to happen? Well, the horsemen have one plan B. When that happens, it's destroy humanity. The end. And Isis is like, wait, what? He's like, wish is going to blow everything up. Done. This is how we're going to pay them back. So Isis is trying to stop the horsemen, find the enemies, bring her people back, and hopefully not die. My gosh, you have one sort of an imagination. That's just amazing. It's so much fun. Oh, oh yeah. You get to put on, uh, that must be a lot of fun to put on a hat to, of, you know, and leave reality behind in some manner or form and just do whatever it is you feel like doing. It is creating your own world and universe. I had a conversation, I want to say it was book three. And I looked at my brother and I was like, you know, as part of the story, they're searching for this princess that goes missing. And they have to go to hell. And I looked at my brothers like, can I take my characters to hell? They're like, it's your book. You can take them anywhere. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I forgot. <laughs> my bad. So if you ask if I have nightmares, <laughs> that was probably one of those books that I literally did lots of prayers. I did lots of, like, you know, signs of the cross. I did, like, who sounds like, should I get some holy water to spray around my house? Because as a Christian, I'm honestly going to take this girl down to the depths of hell. And how do you describe this world? You know, so I pull a little bit of Greek mythology. So you have, you know, the Ravis stinks. You put a little bit of, we have Greek, a little bit of Roman with a touch of, you know, here and there Egyptian. And then you still have what we believe hell to be as Christians. So you have a part of hell where there's souls burning and there's screaming and there's that smell. Because I didn't want to create a world that hell was fun. I didn't want that to be. I also wanted people to realize Okay, if you think hell is going to be a certain way, you still have that side that is just not the most fun. Like nobody wants to like nobody wants to go to the side of the road. It's like don't go to that. And then you still have it. I think when they make it to hell, I wanted hell to be something that makes people go, hmm, really? So their version of hell is like the Vegas Strip. So, <laughs> so at one point, I think book five, they had to go back to hell. So it's like the Vegas Strip that like you know the demons have created. And they're like, where do you think they copied it from? So book three, I think, takes you to Hotel California. So it's kind of also, it's like, how do you play with what we know and make it somewhat fun? So if you know the references, people are like, really? That's, that's hell? Like, why not? So yeah, so she has to get to Hotel California, which everybody thinks is hideous and needed to be blown up. <laughs> I tell you what, Hotel California would be, uh, I don't know what that would be like. That's it. So, so did is there hell and brimstone and fire and and all that stuff in 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 your version of hell, or is it yeah. is it gambling and and uh, loose women and and you know you know what there would be a good story about that is is if you had to go to the casino and you didn't have any money and uh, <laughs> that's definitely hell. That would be a horrible nightmare. But then I think that happens more on Earth than it would be in hell itself. I, I agree. <laughs> it happens, you. happens all the time. Oh, God, yes. So you get a little bit of the brimstone. You get a little bit, definitely the demon side. And it's kind of the idea that your demons look a certain way until you peel the layers. And then you realize half these creatures are definitely there to kill you and destroy you. So Isis and 
I do play a lot with the idea of holy water and having, you know, water guns full of waters and hell and figuring out what you do. You get a little bit of, you know, for anybody who's into mythology, you get the three, you know, three-headed horse trying to attack them and they have like a you know, bar of chocolate to like defend themselves. So it's a little bit of tongue-in-cheek. You know, there is that mythology, there is those concepts, but it's still the fact of like, what will you do when you have a girl in modern times that goes to hell and she's like, why are we here? So with the hell concept, I needed to get them there somehow. So for anybody who, you know, how do we get them? So you have a boatman, most mythologies that you pay for a ride with a gold coin to hell, right? That's We're kind of the mythology. Yeah. That's kind of the part. What happens if that guy or skeleton, whatever you call it, actually works for your boss? So when Isis shows up and everybody's like, you know, what do we do and how do we get there? He's called DJ Bagabones. That's kind of the nickname. And <laughs> So Isis comes in and her guardian who happens to be a, you know, a five dozen year old talking cat, Constantine is like, here, give the bag so you can get in. So Isis is like, walks in very serious trying to be, you know, she's in the, actually she's in the coast of Alcatraz. So that he gets, she gets picked up in Alcatraz by the DJ, you know, the, the skeletons, everything's, you know, tortured. They have souls getting ready. So she hands him the bag. He opens it up and pulls up a mixtape. And they're like, really, really, we're going to go to hell with DJ Bag of Bones. So her and Katrina, the other intro, are getting into this wild adventure of like, what happens if the guy that takes you to hell happens to work for death as well? Do you really sell your soul? Or you just, he's like, what's up, little cousin? Jump in. Let me, let me give you a ride. I got you. <laughs> well, and, and you just described one of the worst things about the hell that you just described, which is um, it'd probably be hip hop music. Or, oh my or God, rap. Yes. And if that would be that would be listening to listening to rap twenty four seven would be my version of hell. Only if you don't like it. If you like it, then this is your person of you know roller coaster from Disney. So yes. Well, well, then you would get they. If you did like rap, then you would get like the monkeys, or absolutely. Uh, <laughs> and you'd be listening to their music twenty four seven. So you get a little bit of the idea of what if and i think that's usually as a fantasy writer that's usually why i specialize is take something that we think we know very surely and just add a twist you know what if it was a little bit different than what we expect so you get to go on these crazy adventures and like you said my goal is always to give you something just to break away from the routine i think life can be very very difficult life can be very draining and overwhelming sometimes you just want that escape and yes, there's the social commentaries here and there if you're looking for it. I can give you some of that. But if you just want to get lost in a fun story of like, oh my God, did that just happen? This is it. This is the kind of stuff, you know, says buckle up. You have no idea what's going to happen next. Well, and it's important that you have that kind of uh, rapport with your readers because it, it, it is like taking a break from reality for a while. And you know that it's really not really happening. And, and the four horsemen are probably really not going to, death is probably not going to come knock on your door and say, hi, I'm death. I want you to be my intern. It's like, uh, you know, and, and stuff. But it's, you know, I think it was, it's great fun for uh, you to play with people like that. So it's fun. So congratulations, 19. Now, <clears throat> the, uh, the last one, which was Judgment Day, that came out when? Judgment Day is the last one in the Intern Diary series. So I got stories and anecdotes for all of my books. This one comes with one of those, we're going to have a book. And I've been prepping this book for a while. I've been prepping my readership. Everybody's ready. So Judgment Day is book five. We have been blasting. It's coming. It's all exciting. And it's, think back, March 
2020. What happened in March 2020? So March. Oh, I know, I know, I know. So March 13, the world decides that we're going to shut down, and we're going to shut down because of a pandemic of all things. And I ran up by the horsemen. So imagine there. So people's like, did pestilence do it? I was like, if she did, she's costing me a lot of money. So she stopped doing that. <laughs> Not appreciating it. So then the hardest part is to say is to have a book that says, you know, Judgment Day is coming, and I'm like, oh my God, how am I going to do this? without sound, you know, without sounding unkind, without sounding like I don't care, and still trying to promote this book. So a lot of the things, everything came like little parentheses, like the book, like Judgment Day is coming, the book. Because everybody's, you know, like we're talking about what is happening. It's the first time in, you know, over a hundred years that our world is getting ready to shut down and we don't know what to expect. And here comes this writer writing a book that says Judgment Day. I was like, God, really, really, is this how we're going to go down? <laughs> is that really what's going to happen? So releasing Judgment Day was definitely a different adventure. The covers were different, so they were darker. So it had this red and, you know, silhouettes of black and there's flames in the back and there's a skull in the top, and which is very different than what you have now. The, the one today gives you a very kind of urban fantasy feel. You know, it's magical. The other one was very much dark and grim, so you thought horror. And then you honestly thought, like, why is this book Judgment Day? So, yes, yeah, so it was probably the hardest promotion. And yet, now that now, two years later, we can laugh about it because I'm like, somebody's like, would you change the name? I was like, you can't change the name of the book. Like, it doesn't just going to make any sense. Well, <laughs> it, especially with the, uh, the, the artwork that you have on that, that is, it really is uh, a, a great looking artwork. And, uh, and, the, and the gal who is the, in, is that the intern? Yes. So your main cover is Isis. My cover designer, Christine Girardi, does an amazing job in everything. Christine, for anybody who's looking for it, you know, you can find her titles inside my book of what she does. Does incredible work. So it's very urban fantasy feel. So you can't really decide that, you know, it's something that maybe we should change. Like, what am I going to change it to? Like, end of the world? Like, that's going to sell even better. So it became very much like, hmm, we're just going to go with it. God has a plan. It will be okay. I'm not exactly sure what the plan is, but we're going with it. You know, I really enjoy, you know, books like like yours that, that um, I, because I suspect, I don't know this for sure, but I suspect that um, when that you cover all of your bases as you're writing the book, you're not leaving things to chance. Uh, let me give you an example. Do you remember the left behind series? Mm -hmm. Um, in one of the movies that they did of that, um, they just showed, um, people's clothing that was like left on the chair or left in the car and they were, they were gone. Mm -hmm. So, I was picturing, does that mean that there were a bunch of naked people flying through the air going up to heaven? And 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 why didn't they why didn't God let them have their underwear at least? Hopefully they have new clothes when they get there. That's what I feel about it. Like you get a oh. whole new outfit when you show up. I'm like, ah, who needs those earth clothes? Here's some golden robes. Come right in. I'm like, I'm hoping this. If not, I'm like, why are they naked? <laughs> I'm like, clothes do not pass inspection. Because quite frankly, nobody wants to see that. They really don't. Um, At that point in time, you think they care? They're like, where are we? Why are we all here? She makes you question things. Like, hmm, what happened to us? Exactly. That, now, that would be an interesting uh, conversation or an interesting book to write would be about uh, the rapture uh, and what an individual would be going through their mind the day before, the day of, and the day after. Um, That's deep. 
Yeah, it, it, it really would be because that you would have the freedom to be able to say this is this is where we begin, and then this is the the actual event, and then this is the uh, result of that event, and uh, and then trying to make it work and make it flow without without being preachy. Now that would be the that would be the key is to not to make it reality without being preachy. You know what I mean? Anytime you add theology into, especially when you add modern day religions into, you have to be very careful. And that's one of the things when I wrote book one, I wanted to make sure that I didn't come across as preaching, you know, and that's the things that I asked multiple others. Like, does it sound like I'm preaching? Does it sound that I'm preaching about how we treat homelessness in the United States? Does it sound like I'm preaching about theology? They're like, no, it's like, why? It's like, because it's a fine line, you know, our feelings are so much involved in who we are and how we see the world that if we're not careful, you will find yourself creating a book that is much more like, I'm going to teach you and put this over your head instead of something that's entertaining or even educational. So it's very hard to keep that editor, that judgment part of us outside a book that can be very, very personal. So when it comes to some writings, like having an outside person read it and be like, okay, did I come across as over the top? Or is this something that you can read it and entertain? And if you want to take more from it, you can. If not, are you still good with it? Yes. And and everybody who who read your book and you asked that question to said, no, you're fine. Mm-hmm. You do you do a good job because you, you do do a good job of of being real and being uh, honest and stuff like that. So that's great. That's great. Thank you. What are you going to do next? I am working on a spin-off series. So right now it's called The Order's Assassin. So yes, I have, my mind doesn't stop. So I have to come with disclaimers for everybody. So one of our characters from the intern diaries happens to be a witch who also happens to be like a cop in Texarkana. He has all this stuff and he wasn't changed because, you know, at the end of the book, I don't know this. My readers all seem to have known this. He had a crush on ISIS. I'm like, did he really? Because I had no idea. (laughs) No clue. Nobody told me that message. Everybody else seemed to be me. I was the only one behind not tracking that. So he has a new series. He starts out with a novella, which is starts out with a hitman. And then book two is the traitor. Book three is going to come out next year. So the goal is to give you a little bit of a wrap up of what's happening in the intern world. So Eric is a little bit sexy, a little bit dangerous, a little bit... Hmm, has issues. He's moody. Let's just put it out there. Eric comes with issues and bad choices in terms of women's selection, the whole nine yards. But his heart is in a good place and he wants to find out who betrayed his people and what he can do about it. What he finds out is he's horrible at being an assassin, hates being an assassin, but he can do it really well. So he hates it and he's still stuck in this job. So has anybody been stuck in a job they hate? This is Eric. Being stuck in a job as an assassin, that would be hard. Thank like, you. I don't really feel like killing anybody today. And, you know, that would be, that would be really, that would be hard. I'm always going, I'm like, dude, how did you get stuck there? But he's so good. And they're like, well, at least you get answers. So Eric is literally hates the job, but still believes in the mission. He wants to help his people. So you get a lot of whole bunch of that. And then I get to play with shifters, so which is kind of fun. I have an entire clan of shifters, which is also another clan of assassins. For some reason or other, it's all assassins in this series. That's all you get. You get a bunch when, of assassins. When you say shifter, are you talking about my or uh, uh, body being able to trans uh, shift their bodies? Mm-hmm. They're able to transform to animal forms. So my clan shifts into felines, and they get to some of them get to pick which one they are. 
they're not werewolves, though some of them can be anything from tigers to panthers to, oh my, you name it. <laughs> that is, what's the name of that series when it comes out? The, uh, the Oldest Assassin. So the Order of Witches is the Assassins. And all about Eric in his own little world of trying to get out of this mess that he just got himself into. He's kind of stuck there. How is it? How does it feel for a, a, a woman to be writing a, a story about a man? How do you get into his head? I am really, really lucky. I'm the oldest of three and only have brothers. So being able to have really good conversations with them has helped. And seeing, and I also have pick career fields specifically with men. Not by choice, it's going to happen. So I went to school for film and television, which is a very male-oriented field. And then I joined the military. So being around, primarily, I was a mechanic in the military, for anybody who's curious. So I spent a lot of time just talking to the male side in terms of what they see and how they see things. And the fact that they don't see things as emotionally attached as many of us women do. So things that to me would be like, oh my God, they're like, girl, get over that. Like that's not nearly, nearly as emotional as you think. So when Eric is adding a little bit more of those emotionals to making him a little bit difficult to deal. If you make him a little bit moody, you're going, boy, please, why are you doing that? So it's really fun. So when you were in the, excuse me, in the military and you were working with a bunch of men, did they what what surprised you most? What did you learn the most about the differences between men and women and their psyche and how they react and respond to things? Honestly, the most surprising things is that we're much more like than we think. That we're just as emotional about things that sometimes make no sense. Like I was expecting men to be somebody said a couple of my friends said, you know, men are supposed to be, you know, like the focus and less gossipy. I was like, no, men are just as gossipy as women. They just gossip on different things that women might do. So that was very surprising. It was very much like those like little in-house bickering that you're going, huh, didn't see that coming. That was kind of the biggest surprise. But also the fact that it sometimes is amazing to see how quickly men can resolve problems compared to women. You know, they have an issue, something happens, and what are talking about, and they move on. They're not holding on to this for like 30 years. That was kind of one of the surprising things. Like once a guy says, okay, I'm done. They don't have those crazy conspiracy theories of like, oh my God, they're out to get me, I swear, because this happened. Oh no, they they moved on. I was like, we talked about it. It's done. Move on. So I always find that to be very refreshing. Because women can talk about things at nauseum forever. And we hold that. We hold on to things, I want to say. We, we tend to have more emotional attachment to things. That's very politically correct. <laughs> I like that. That's very, very good. Yes. We, we hold on to our shit. I, I stop. <laughs> We're a little bit more emotionally connected. So it takes a little longer to let go of things when your emotions are attached. When things do not have nearly as much of an emotional baggage, you guys can let it go. And things are not always as big as we think they are. So guys have an ability to let go of things quicker. We are looking at the impact and ramifications of our feelings and how this is going to affect our lives, guys. Like, not that big of a deal. So, but you see that that for a lot of women has got to be really frustrating because they want they want to get it out, they want to talk about it, they want to continue to go down there. And the guys are like, "It's over. What are you worried about?" But we have to we have to talk about it. We have to no, it's all gone. It's, I, I'm not interested. Thanks. Uh, that's that's got to be frustrating for them. It makes it for a very 
exciting situation. Let me put it this way. There's always going to be some excitement going on. And it's also the things that makes writing really exciting is to explore these dynamics between people. If you have somebody, and then you can switch the roles. You can have a man who is very emotionally attached, who is very much that needs to have this connection that tends to be a little bit more clingy and have a woman who's a little bit more distant and then have the same kind of chemistry disasters happenings in the back. So yeah, so as a writer, my job is always to watch people and kind of figure out what makes people tick, what makes them very angry, and then put them in a situation that you're going, mm, what if we put these personalities here? What will happen? So that's always kind of fun. I want you to do this one. You ready? Okay. You ready for this I'm one? ready. Okay. This, this one is a, a, a teenage guy. Uh -huh. He's a bodybuilder. Okay. He's, he's what's called a pretty boy. He never has to go, never has to ask a girl for a date because they're always asking him. Okay. That's very progressive. I'm a man. <laughs> well, because, yeah, because I'm talking about somebody that I know in real life, by the way. Uh, okay. And, uh, and, but he's never had to uh, seek a date. He's never had to pursue anybody. He's, they've always pursued him and he just let whatever come, come. And whoever show up, show up, and they may end up in bed. They may not. It doesn't matter. And it just continues that way. But at one point, he doesn't know how to love. Okay. And he, and he recognizes that he doesn't know how to love. And then the, the journey for him is to find out what love is and how to do it uh, before he realizes that he's unlovable. How about that for a story? Ooh, a lot of the times when you have these kind of love situations, it always comes back to self-love, believe it or not. Uh -huh. So people that have a hard time loving is because they can't love themselves. So without getting too into the therapy behind it is, you know, you can't give something you don't have. That's kind of always comes back. So if you're not able to love yourself, so if you're only... If your claim to fame is that you look good and you're the pretty boy, you're the, you know, the alpha male everybody's attracted to the out of package it also comes back to if somebody sees the inner package will they still love me if they understand how broken i am if they understand how hard i am if they understand that i'm not perfect will they still like me so a lot of that character's journey is going to be to peel back the pretty boys to peel back the layers of success or whatever that look that they're going for and honestly get nasty and dirty and take a look at it say can they like that messiness inside? Can they like themselves? And then they'll be able to love. You're brilliant. Oh, but yeah, those are, those take a lot of work because self-love is harder than to give it. Nobody wants to look in the mirror and see the demon. Nobody wants to look at the monster underneath. We always want to have the public persona. We like what people say. We enjoy the public view of what people think about us. But when you're, your relationship with yourself, the longest one you're ever going to have. If you've been ignoring that one, if you've been putting it away, if you've been thinking, it'll be fine, you know, I just need to get more busy, I need to work out more, I have to have more people around me. When those people are gone and the busyness is gone and the beauty, the muscles are gone and you, know, you have this you, that's really hard. So it is not that they are unlovable, it's that they cannot love themselves and that's usually why they end alone. And it's very destructive, it's destructive and difficult for somebody who, as an example, um, no matter what time of year you're hearing this podcast and it'll be up for a very long time. We just had Christmas mm -hmm. and I know there are a lot, a lot of people that were 
that were lonely on Christmas because they don't have a family. COVID has done a bunch of, of stuff to us and, and other things. It makes it really tough for some of us to to really connect with other people and and it makes it it makes it hard so um maybe that would be another a good book you know i don't know so we have become very used to being by ourselves and i don't think humans as a whole are meant to be lonely i don't care what anybody says like we're very tribal from the beginning yeah. we're meant to have a tribe and it doesn't have to be the tribe you were born with you can have any tribe you can go out and make your tribe one of the things that i found out as when i was in the military my goal whether I like to recognize or not was I was always looking to fit in. I was always looking for my people. I grew up in a family that is huge. It's a bunch of Dominicans. We're very tribal. We always stick together. When I left that I found myself very lost and that I didn't belong and I couldn't figure out why because I was missing my tribe. So we are in that society. This is why social networks are so huge. Because we're always looking for a tribe. We're always looking for people to look at us and accept us. Not what we think we are, not the outside, but to look at us and really say, oh my God, I see you. You with your messiness, you with your hot madness going on. I see you and you are okay. You are a person that needs to be accepted. So we're always looking to fit in. So when Christmas comes around and you don't have anybody, People forget that that loneliness can kill you. Stress can kill you. So not having anybody to look at you and recognize you as a human being, not even as a person to be loved, just as a human being to tell you, you're worth it. You meant something. You're meant to be here. You're not an accident. Those things are pretty big. Mm-hmm. They, they, they really are. And uh, if you are feeling that way, um, and there is a number that you can call nowadays, um, I'm not sure that we mentioned it last time, but if you if you are if you're feeling lonely, if you're feeling depressed, if you're feeling like there's no reason for you to continue to live, there's a number you should call. It's nine eight eight. It's really simple. It's nine eight eight, and it's a crisis hotline. It's funded by by the government, and there'll be somebody there who can help you out and walk you down the ledge and stuff. So it's, uh, that's, that's you, you are, you could be a counselor. You could do all kinds of things if you wanted to. I have found out to be an artist and it doesn't have to be paintings and drawings. It can be writing. It can be music. It can be anything. It can be art. It can be cooking. Let's be honest. Anything that you're created with. One of the hardest things we ask to overcome is ourselves. Is that limiting beliefs for us to think we're supposed to be here. Because sometimes we're comparing ourselves to everyone. We're comparing ourselves to everybody who has made it. Instead of realizing that it is our race. I talked to my brother. He's like, I feel like I need to pay my dues. And he looked at me. He's like, what are they? And I said, what? I was like, what are your dues? They're yours. You define what those dues are. <laughs> like, I was like, what? And it took me a minute to, to realize how much it hit. You know, when somebody asked me, you know, you need to pay your dues. I go back and say, it's like, you know, I volunteer for the military. I spent a year in Iraq. I sacrificed my families. I have sacrificed a lot of things in my life to be able to create these stories for people, to be able to relate to people. So yes, have I paid my dues? Absolutely. They're not what people consider regular dues. People have an idea of like, oh my God, you have to slave. You have to be the starving artist. Whatever our definition is that we have put into our crap and our art to be better is what we're looking at it. But it doesn't have to be miserable. It doesn't have to be painful. I'm not the one who subscribed to like, oh my God, you need to struggle to be an artist. Oh God, no, that's painful. Like, go have some fun. <laughs> like, enjoy the process. It's so much fun to not be that person. Oh, that, that, is, that is so true. And by the way, thank you for your service. Oh, 
Absolutely a pleasure. And why well, I wouldn't say that. My my son was in Iraq for a little bit, and uh, it's 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 not. It's a hot, hot. Right. It's, <laughs> it's messy. It's messy. It's dirty, and they've got spiders that start, that eat cats. And uh, um, everything's and, gonna kill you over there. This is one of those things nobody tells you when you get off the, the plane. You utterly like they give a whole list of things that could kill you. Like this is why you don't tell me in the states because nobody would get on this plane. Like, nobody's gonna get on this plane that you have the sand flies that are gonna get into your legs and eat you. And I'm like, what? What is this, Australia? Like everything in this side of the world is trying to kill you. I was like, wow, oh, the United States is very tame. Like I literally was like, we should go back home. Like we're literally, my environment is now trying to eat me alive. You mean you mean there are sand flies that will bury bury themselves in your skin? And many, actually, we have sand flies that look like if you ever happen to walk at night, which I don't recommend. Put like long pants because you will come out looking like you should say I like chicken pox like your legs entirely gets attacked I was like well that was lovely that was a great experience in my life <laughs> many things I'm like great anything else is trying to eat me and in case anybody's wondering I am terrified of bugs so this must sound a lot more terrifying than it is because everybody else just looked at me it was like girl get over it I was like I don't know I'm pretty sure something's gonna eat me probably a lizard <laughs> a really big lizard is gonna come and eat me well, and they got all kind of, yeah, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm not interested in going, and it's 125 degrees. And See, I live in Texas. I can't say anything about the heat anymore. Oh, <laughs> it's well, the same thing. Place. I was like, yeah, Texas is pretty hot as well. So I can't say that much about the heat. Yeah. Now, you live in Texarkana. Is that right? I do. So in your books, Texar Texarkana is a very, very busy place. Which becomes the big joke because anytime anybody lives in Texarkana, the joke is nothing happens here. So that's one of the things I wanted to explore in this book, and it's a common theme. Everybody goes, I success, and they're all the time. It's like, I thought nothing happened in Texas And I'm like, yeah, till we moved in. They're like, oh, yeah, that's our fault. <laughs> Sorry about that. So that's kind of the joke about the series is it is urban fantasy, so it takes place in a real location. So you do have to take some of the common things people talk about, like nothing happens in Texarkana. It's just going to go a little while. Like, you know, lots of explosions, lots of buildings get destroyed. Lots of madness, and they're like, I thought nothing happened. And they're like, Yeah, we moved in. Like, oh, it's our fault. Yeah. <laughs> That's so funny. So, uh, by the way, we're talking with uh, DC Gomez. And if you want, and go to DC Gomez author.com. And she's got 19 books out. Um, I don't know when she, she's only been writing for like six or seven years, if I remember correctly. I've um, only been publishing. So I've been writing for a while, but publishing's only been about six. And 19 books in six years. You must have a hell of a publisher. Unfortunately, the publisher is me, so we don't sleep in this house. Let me just put it this way. There's very little sleep in Casa Gomez, as I tell everybody. And all of my subscribers are like, yeah, there's very little sleep. At one point in time, it was very little food, and that got old. So now we just, we just couldn't sleep out of my life. It's okay. So how many hours do you get a night? Now I'm up to five, which I have people that says that's normal, right? Unfortunately, I function in like eight. So if I spend four days for four to five hours by day four, I'm a zombie. There's not even pretending. I like literally look going. I sound like Darth Vader. <laughs> I got I to gotta ask you. And this is for a question for everybody who's following their passion and doing what they what they love to do. How do you keep your motivation going when you're tired as hell and you've you've had 
you've had five hours or four hours of sleep. And then how do you, you've got emails to do. You've got, you've got uh, chapters to write. You've got uh, all the things that you do to put a book together. How do you keep your motivation? Sometimes all you got to do is tell yourself that it's okay not to be happy. And sometimes everybody feels I wouldn't need to be chipper and perky. I'm like, oh, it's going to be great. Now, sometimes you're like, this is the best I can do. And sometimes the best you can do is A, send an email or finish one thing. My goal is always to do one thing for my business a day. If I do more than that, woohoo, that's an ice cream kind of day. But on a regular day. It's one day. Make sure that I get something done for my business, whether it's doing a podcast, whether it's making sure I have an article out, whatever that might be. Because something I'm a big goal-oriented goal-setting, so I need to have like a checklist of things to get accomplished. But I also had to learn to give myself the grace to say, you can't do it all, and all is not going to get done today. So what is it that I have to do that I, only I can do? So a lot of things in my life get outsourced. Like I don't do the covers for my books. That's going to get outsourced because that's a lot of work that I'm not that amazing at it. So I have no issues outsourcing things like working editing sections of like my podcast is getting outsourced. So there's a lot of things that I can go ahead and send out that other people can do who are really good. But there's some things that only I can do. I'm the only one who can buy my books. I'm the only one who can buy my newsletter because it feels a certain way. So I'm very comfortable in committing, hey, what are some of the things to make even more amazing? Like, I live in Texas. We have an obsession with grass coding. I, I'm allergic to grass. So things that get outsourced in my life is cutting it lawn. That automatically is going to get outsourced because it's just, it needs to get done. I'm not going to torture myself and do it. It'll be okay. Yeah, and you gotta you gotta forgive yourself and just allow things to go the way that they're 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 gonna go, and uh, which is which is really cool. How many brothers and sisters? Now you said you had what two brothers? Two brothers. I have two younger brothers. But how many family are in your extended family? Is it a, it's a large extended family? Oh it? my god! I grew up in a family that we count cousins, aunts, uncles. Oh, Dominicans do not have the concept of immediate family versus extended family. So to us, everybody's in this family. So I think last time I counted, I think we're over, I want to say I have a hundred cousins. <laughs> Just cousins. So yeah, so when I think of family reunion, sometimes like nobody needs to invite people. Like that's just us is enough. Like if you put all of my family together, that's just one hall. Like we should invite people. It's like, no, we don't. We don't have enough seats for everybody else. Like let's just, just call the family. How many? So when you get your family together, how many people is that? It's got to be well over hundred. Yeah, too many. It's just too many. It's just a bunch of us running around. <laughs> so yeah. But you know, it's 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 nice to have an extended family like that if you like everybody. It's nice to have an even if you don't like them because you have great material for books, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> is never lost you're going to make the most of everything so i am very blessed i have a really good relationship with my brothers and my parents and my extended family from both sides it's really fun it is also very much like anybody who has large family can understand drama comes when you just blink because it's just what happens with family the people you love the most are the ones who know how to push your buttons the most so you just have to take it with a grain of salt and as a writer i usually come with disclaimer like everything you say and do will be used in a book so please Watch out. And, and, and I might even use your real name. Only if they make me mad. <laughs> Again, we've been talking with DC Gomez, and uh, thank you so much. You are delightful. I just, just have to say. Um, and, oh, we got to talk about your podcast real quick. Um, yes. When's it coming back? 
Comcast will be back middle of January is Inside the Minds of Authors. So I get to talk to a, a bunch of authors, which is some of my favorite things. We get to listen to their books and truly go on this fun adventure of, A, why do they do it? Because sometimes, this, let's be honest, you've been writing for a while, you're still committed and you're still dedicated to it and you still love the craft. That's a beautiful thing. So for anybody who has the same obsession as I do, the podcast will be probably middle end of January. It's going to come back. We have new authors every week. And there's just a thrill. So much fun. When is it going to come out each week? Do you know? Fridays. Perfect. I like so, Friday night. Yeah, that's the, and that's the, uh, of course, I can say I'm official by saying, and her podcast is going to drop every Friday night. I and like it's, that. It's just <laughs> wonderful and, and stuff. So <laughs> congratulations. You're doing a lot. And, uh, and you're uh, a USA Today bestseller. And you've you've got you've just got a great soul. You're just a, you're a great person. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me, Kevin. It's always a blast. I have so much fun talking to you, and it's just I'm always honored to be in with you. So thank you so much. Well, I just love your energy, and uh, you you are an exciting and excitable young lady. I would imagine uh, from time to time. Oh yeah, I'm a Dominican. Comes with territory. Yeah, I would imagine. Don't piss you off because the the repercussions could be bad. Most people in my family know is like avoid the Dominican with a knife. This could get ugly. Like, ah, <laughs> just don't do that. <laughs> exactly. Before we go, I want to give you the opportunity to tell our audience anything that you would like them to know. Those that are listening now and those that will be listening far into the future. And it could be five years and somebody's going to come to you and say, I was listening to you on a podcast and I can't remember the name of it, but you were awesome, and uh, and that was right about the time that Judgment Day came out. And so, what have you been doing since and stuff? So and that's very liable to happen. So, uh, but tell us anything that you would like us to know. First of all, I would like to send some blessings and joy to all of your listeners and viewers, specifically in these times. Regardless where you are in your life, know that you're meant for greatness. Know that you're truly meant to do something amazing in your life and to follow your dreams. If this little Dominican girl that English is not her first language can decide to take a leap of faith and start writing novels, my friend, you are meant to do it. And if you're looking for some quirky books that actually full of madness and fun and would take you outside of your comfort zone, if you're into, not quite into magic or curious about magic, come pick me up. I have tons of books that will actually get you excited about looking at things from a different perspective. And always remember, you are meant for greatness. Follow your path, my friends. I wish I'd have said that. Can't say that any better than what you just did. Um, so, but uh, I guess I did want to ask you because we haven't talked about this at all. Uh, in the Dominican roots, is is voodoo and hoodoo and all that stuff? Is that are there witch doctors and stuff that are in that you're aware of that are still practicing voodoo and that sort of thing? Not so much in the Dominican Republic. I think probably in Haiti, since we share Haiti. an island. But most of the Dominican Republic is Christian to some extent, some denomination or another. So, no. Okay. So I, I've never met one. Probably a good thing because I wouldn't know what to do. I'm like, oh, I write about them. I just would not know what to do. <laughs> yeah, I, just, I have no idea. Again, uh, uh, DC Gomez has been our guest. Go to DC Gomez dash author.com and uh, get Judgment Day. It's, 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 uh, it'll be a great read and you can. Um, Wait to the end to see if humanity gets wiped out or not. Let's hope not. Let's hope not. Yeah. 
That would, that would be good. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for being here, my friend. And if you'll if you'll wait right there, I will be right back. Hey, thanks for enjoying this episode all the way to the end. Please give us a like and subscribe to this channel. This has been a production of PositiveTalkRadio.net. Please visit our website, oddly named PositiveTalkRadio.net, for more details about us and our mission, which is to provide great positive programming designed to inspire us all. I'm Kevin McDonald, and I'm proud of these shows, and I truly hope that you'll like them and share them with friends and family. So on behalf of our entire team, remember, be kind to one another because each other's all we got.